Previously on Tales of Asperon, a breeze comes in off the lake and you can hear the, the leaves again rustling in the trees and you think you hear a voice, but it's just a faint whisper in the bit, like right behind your ear. Did you say something? Was that, did you say that? What? I didn't say anything. Igni, did you say something? I did not, no. You get a little close to the wake, sometimes people, they say you can hear whispers and things of that sort. I think I'll be okay. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Tales of Asperon. If you're new to the show, we are an improvisational and collaborative storytelling podcast. Now, what does that mean? We sit down at our desks, pretend to be someone we're not, and record it all to share with you. Then, we put out an episode every other Friday. We're here to weave a tale for you to enjoy, second by second, line by line. And the best part of it all is that we have no idea what will happen next. Our story is being told with a game system you may or may not be familiar with, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. This just means that sometimes we roll dice to figure out what happens next in the story. Roll high? Awesome! Your choice goes in your favor and you usually kick butt. Roll low? Maybe you get caught trying to steal some books from an old gnome, or you insult a local thief lord in a tavern. I hope no one's out to get our party this week. Let's roll the dice and find out. Together. After stepping through the parted bark portal created by Rose Ludlum, our four adventurers found themselves upon the borders of the town of Whispering Lake. Together, they confidently walked with their new companion towards the city's gates. At their backs, a horde of floating lights sits quietly and patiently at the forest's edge, unable to enter the clearing. One by one, each spirit slowly drifts back into the forest and out of sight with our adventurers passing, until only one remains. To an untrained eye, this spirit would seem to be a soft, gentle orb of light, harmlessly drifting through existence in this forsaken forest. Though, those with the experience of the outer planes would see this monster for what it truly is. Within the brush we see this creature, its form curling away and fading at the edges, as if alit by spectral flames devouring its material body. Its long, clawed hands curled into fists, and its mouth moving silently, forming whispers that our ears cannot yet hear. As our adventurers depart, this creature turns away from the clearing and wanders back into the forest. On this night, they will not be claimed. For the master of the lake is calling. So to recap, you guys made your way into the town of Whispering Lake. Um, You were pursued by some odd orbs of light on your way into town, following the bounty hunter that you had recently met named Rose Lieblin. And she led you with a careful hand into the town of Whispering Lake. I'll keep up with Rose. 
I'm going to quicken the pace and get, like, right behind Rose. Haley's been just keeping up with Rose, noticing that she's not, she doesn't have a problem with anything, so he doesn't have a problem with anything. Complete and utter trust. <laughs> Naive. I love it. So she leads you up to the edge of this town. There's a small stone wall around it, maybe about two and a half feet high, um, that leads over to a large gate um, that goes up maybe about six or seven feet. It's made of wood, cut from familiar um, bark and wood of the, the surrounding forest. And she goes, I welcome you all to the town of Whispering Lake. A lot of the buildings of this town that you can kind of see are no more than two stories. Um, some of them are low and squat and stretch off. A lot of their make, they have a stone foundation supported by these kind of really dark, dark oak woods. Um, some of them have been kind of haphazardly painted white, um, but most are painted in black. The wood, a lot of the stone, it looks like they're painted in black. And you kind of realize as you're walking through the town that off in the distance, the white trees of this place, illuminated by the, the ring light above, this town stands, it feels as if it stands in defiance to the wood around it. Like all of the black painted buildings and the dark stone stand as like a stark contrast to the rest of the white leaf wood around this lake. Um, I have to speak with my contact for a very brief amount of time to get the money. Um, from this here bounty. They're going to be very pleased that it was resolved so quick. Would you be inclined to meet me at the tavern? Which tavern? Or somewhere in town. Um, there's one that our our uh, our group tends to frequent called the Copper Kettle. It's I'm called game. the Proper Kettle. I could use a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to sit down. She goes, all right, I will meet you there. So... The main thoroughfare of this town just runs along the curve of the lake and all of the main streets are kind of scalloped. Those are where you'll find all of the, you know, the fancy important businesses. Just stay away from the, the backmost portion of town. That's where the mayor lives and he kind of has a nice compound back there. And he doesn't like strangers. The yeah, the mayor. He doesn't like strangers poking around. Okay. Thank you. Of course. She walks off and... The armadillo is just sitting with you. It looks to her, looks to you guys, and just kind of sits and waits. Um, I'm going to start walking in the direction she told us not to go, where the mare is. Okay. Because isn't that where the bounty is? Well, not entirely. You don't really know. Or like, but... it was, but it was signed by the mayor, right? Yeah. So that's where, that's where Leia is going. Okay. What do you guys do? What? You... <laughs> Where are you go? You see Alea just wait maybe 30 seconds until Rose turns a corner and she just kind of darts off in that direction. Uh, Alea, is that the way to the diner, the um, bar, tavern? Uh, I will stop, turn around, walk back to the armadillo, and I'm going to ask if it could follow me with your thistle doll. And I'll, then I'll look at Haley. Uh, and Thurbash and be like, no, that's, we gotta, we gotta get this guy over there. Mm. Remember? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I thought we would wait for our, our guide. She said she'd meet us at the tavern. Mm -hmm. Easy peasy. Quick drop off. 
and we'll get justice for Igni. We'll get some drinks. We'll meet her at the plate at the kettle place. What is it? The <laughs> kettle. The copper kettle. Copper kettle. Okay. Copper she, kettle. She said that this mayor fellow is not very friendly. But we're not really poking around. We're not strangers. We just want to give him the, the thing that he was asking for. She did say only if we were on his compound. He's unfriendly. All right. Lead the what way. Do you su- what do you suggest we do? Uh, wait. This place gives me the creeps. Why? Did you not see the 20-something, 30-something? I, qu- I can't count that high. So many balls, flights, just floating. They're just little... What, what is that? They're just little spirits. It's didn't okay. buy the rose. We can ask the mayor about them. And not to mention all the talk about wounds and how wounds are bad. Are you hurt? All of us are wounded. Not yet. Do you plan on getting wounded? What does that mean? No. Is that a threat? And you're fine. <laughs> Is that a threat? Not yet. <laughs> um, Sudden character change midway through the episode. Oof. That would be horrifying. Um... Plus, we also need to figure out how to to wake um, Tedward up. He's been sleeping for too long. Maybe the mayor will know of, like, a healer. You have a point there. And, I mean, you can go around carrying Eerie and Tedward all day, all the time. All right, all right, let's go. Onward! The armadillo follows. Yes! You, are you, so, what's the goal here? Are you trying to tail Rose, or are you just beelining it for the mayor's compound? We're trying to go to the mayor's compound to give, because that's the name on the, on the contract. So Alea would just be like, that's the name. He wants it. So that's it. Okay. Um, roll me a survival check, because you've never been here. Were you going to die? <laughs> well, I got an eight, so. <laughs> <laughs> um. You guys, if anyone would like to help out, I mean, feel free. Sure. But you guys, uh, survival check. But um, while you're rolling this, Alea, you are not entirely used to travel. And moving through a town like this, full of so many people, there there are more people here than were in the town that you grew up in. I'd say at least by an extra thousand. Easy. Um, Mm -hmm. When you're walking through the streets, you see... A, a beautiful gilded carriage roll by with two large black Clydesdales pulling it. They actually almost run you over and it kind of turns you turns you about a bit and it catches you as a distraction. And then as you move, you kind of follow that for a little bit and the rest of the group kind of just follows along. And you catch another similar sight, a shop full of, it smells of lavender and tons of scented oils and stuff and it smells like home. And you start to move that way and then the rest of the group realizes that it doesn't seem like Alea has any idea where she's going. She's just been enthralled by this place. It's beautiful. What'd you roll, Thurbash? A total of 18. Okay. Um, and while you guys are kind of watching her with this joyous wonder slowly get you further and further in town, in the distance you can see over one of the buildings a large keep made of dark black stone that again, stands in contrast to the forest and even the rings behind it. And you can see adorned at each corner of the compound, there are parapets and torchlight, and you can see silhouetted figures standing guard. 
uh, as she's beginning to wander like further and further, I, I'll Thurabash will start to notice that she's like not really going in a straight direction ever. She's kind of zigzagging and bouncing all over the place, getting a little bit like uh, caught up in the sights. And he'll just like slowly like kind of try and like direct her via her shoulders to the correct path. And every single time she like resists, he's just gonna like turn her. There's so many wondrous sights though. He I... grabs your shoulders and with a quick turn, you can see the compound in the distance. And Hele, while these two are kind of futzing about, one thing you do notice that you pass by is it looks like a bookshop mm-hmm. off to the right. The door, the front door is open, um, but you catch the familiar scent of old books that kind of wafts into the street. And from inside, you can see a small oil lamp hanging, illuminating what looks to be rows and rows of books. I use Mage Hand to try to gr- put my hand over Thurbatches, which is on Leia's shoulder, and try to pull them back. Okay, um, do you guys resist? What do you do? Honestly, so- the second I see anything cool, I'll probably just head that direction. So if it's <laughs> cool, I'll head there. Is the hand touching my shoulder or her shoulder? Your hand on her shoulder. Oh, okay. So you're like layering it over. I'm going to look at the, the mage hand and I'm going to like follow it with my eyes and my head. And I'm just going to slowly turn my head and watch as it trail back to you. And then like give you like a, huh? Then I just point and walk to the bookshop. Um, all right. Be um... Turning around and walking towards the bookshop, I guess, and kind of like grab Leia's hand and be like, we should stick together. This place still scares me quite a bit. You guys make your way over to this small, dark wood um, bookshop. Uh, A door is opened and it's an entirely glass door with this kind of ornate um, stained glass paneling that looks like a book is open. And pages are just falling, falling down, down, and down. And adorned right above the door, hanging on kind of a swinging sign. One of the chains is broken, so it's kind of dangling. You see the words carved in wood, Milo's Menagerie. Um, I'm going to stay by the door to keep an eye out on the armadillo and our unconscious fellows. But I will be periodically getting distracted. Okay. Leave a note if you can. Thurbash is also going to just sit on the ground outside. Um, this is overloading his senses to begin with. And then on top of it, the like the kind of fear he felt walking into the city. He, he just kind of needs a, a point to just kind of ground himself quite literally. Okay. Um, so I guess Hele and Alea walk in. The armadillo sits ne- on the ground next to you. It kind of plops down, seemed seemingly relieved but it doesn't have to carry this weight for a little while. The two of you walk in and immediately you're hit with the smell of burning wax and old leathery tomes. You see organized very neatly on each side of this long thin building, there are two big long bookshelves that go up maybe about six, seven feet each. Um, And in the middle, it's just open air. There's a small table with books stacked up end to end with little labels on each one of them. And off to the right, there's a little reading nook that is down there. And a little further back, you can see there's 
a single desk with a spiral staircase behind it, and sitting at the desk reading a book is a rather short gnomish fellow. His ears are long and they come out to a wide point to the sides, and there's a low candle to his right. I'm going to walk up to him. Okay. I'm going to ignore him and start looking through the books. Um, so first, let's do Alea. Because I think Haley browsing through books in the background of maybe an interesting conversation could be a really funny set piece. Um, so you walk up to this gnomish individual and his nose is like just right into a book. He has these fairly large glasses on and he has his finger running over a page. And he's like humming to himself as he reads. And Aww. on the cover, you can see as you step up closer into the candlelight um, that it says... Curiosities of the Hearthlands. What do you do? Um, excuse me, good sir. Excuse me. Oh, hello. H- hello. How are how are you? And he takes the, takes the book and slowly puts it to the side. This individual is very old. Um, upon closer inspection, it was hard to see from so far away. And he kind of leans his chair forward and puts his elbows on the counter. How can I help you today, Miss? Yes. I was wondering, do you have any fruit? Uh, he looks at you and gives you an odd look and then looks at, what? May I ask why? You see, we were on this long journey and our armadillo friend who's helping us out is getting to look a little tired. So I was hoping that maybe you had like an apple or maybe even like, it doesn't have to be a fruit. It could be a carrot if you wanted. (laughs) Is she asking this because she's, she grew up in a shop where yes. someone always had food in the back because... <laughs> yes. Yes. The, you see one of his eyebrows raised and he goes, I, we, we sell books. I don't know if armadillos can eat books. She's going to look back at the little armadillo. I don't know if that, that'll work. Do you know if armadillos can eat paper? Worth a shot. His eyes, <laughs> you hear Haley in the back. As he's like <laughs> pulling a book off the shelf, and you see the um, the the gnomish gentleman Milo, one of his eyes gets really wide and he goes, "Gods, no! Why would you ruin such a, a piece of art?" I mean, okay. <laughs> uh, then then, hmm. Well, this does create a pickle. Well, what do you have? We don't sell pickles. I don't know if pickles would even. Anyway, do you have any recommendations as to where I can get fruit? Pro- probably the grocer. Which is? I mean, they usually sell food in the morning. Hmm. We, have, we have a little farmer's market in the center of town right by the bay. That'll help. That'll help. Um, so she's going she's gonna to like turn around, thank you, and then stop. And then she's going to dig through her, her, her bag. And she's going to pull out a gold piece and just going to place it on the counter. Thank you for your help, sir. Wow. You're not from around here and you're rich. I'm a a witch? And you're rich. He takes the coin. (laughs) Oh, rich. Puts it in in his pocket and grabs his book and continues to read. Now, while this is happening, Hele, what are you doing? Hele has just been going through, looking at the books, and about halfway through one shelf, he realized that the entire alphabetical system is wrong and he needs to fix it. Ooh. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, okay. Um, 
How would you like to arrange these books? In the only way Haley knows how. It's a completely logistical, random system that Haley understands. Okay. Are you trying to be obvious or are you just doing it? Haley thinks he's doing the right thing, so he's just doing it. <laughs> okay. Let me roll a perception check for this guy. I do have another question for him, too. So. With disadvantage. Not great. Not great at all. Um, he doesn't seem to notice. As you quickly just start taking books off the shelf and rearranging them. Is there any particular thing about this kind of organized chaos that's pleasing to Haley? Like, is it like the way it feels or the way the whole shelf looks when you stand a couple feet away? Or is it like... Is it so weird that maybe when they're organized a certain way, it has a certain smell to it? It's just there's an ingrained sense of once everything's organized, it loses its connection to everything else. So by unorganizing things, it connects to everything properly. Okay, so that's like a mental, um, like a tick for Hele. Um, So you spend the next five minutes or so organizing this in the way that Hele loves and only knows how to do. Um, totally disorganized by any no, any other normal person's standards. But Hele in his unique wonder has turned this bookshelf into a beautiful, beautiful chaotic work of art. Alea, what did you want to ask behind? Um, as I was making my way outside, I would have seen uh, Tedward. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, right before I like leave, I'm going to actually close the door and turn right back around again and be like, actually, you could help me with something book related. He looks up from his book. Okay, what what do you have? Uh, a friend of mine is sick, so I would like to get him a book. He likes, um, how do I say this? Exaggerated adventure, not offensively trying to be say it's bad or cheesy. I just it's it's a type of genre. Can you help? Hmm. So not too cheesy, but adventurous. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to say it's not too cheesy. I'm trying to not be offensive when I say it's too cheesy. Oh. So, shit books. Yeah. <laughs> he says with a grin. Um, he might. How old is your friend? How old? I'm gonna look outside. 19 maybe 15 it's it's it really depends okay there there's a you'll find a bin on the table in the middle um that's a pleaser for the kids they he, he might like it okay <laughs> and then Alea's gonna go and dig through the, the 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 books okay um roll me an investigation check so you walk down this while you're rolling i'll describe it while you walk down this this bookstore in the center, you find a long table and a bunch of books just kind of stacked up. This is clearly like a discount table. And in the center, there is like a box um, and labeled on it is clearance. And when you start taking books out, they're worth like one or two copper pieces. They are the cheapest books you've ever seen in your entire life. Um, what'd you roll? I crit failed. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so digging through this book, there are this bin of books. Um, there are plenty, and I'm just going to give you a handful of titles, and you can pick one. Nice. Wait, has Haley gotten to this section yet to reorganize it? No, not yet. Okay. 
soon the dude will have no idea where anything is because it will be completely random. It'll be perfectly organized. He'll know everything. The best part is I can imagine Hele literally bouncing from wall to wall. Like he walks, like he might even walk past the clerk for like a second, but the clerk isn't paying attention because he's reading the book. He's carrying like eight books at the time too. Um, so going through this, you, you pull out three books that catch your attention. First one, it's a copper piece. It's called The Grand Adventures of Baroness Flump. Okay, okay. Promising. The next one is The Pirate King of the Misty Mountain. Mm-hmm. That one. And the last one is <laughs> Adventures of Grand Duke. And then there's three periods, and it just says Duke again. All three of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can I get all three? Yeah, of course. They're, they're a copper apiece. Okay. I'm going to take him back up to the, 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 the store clerk. With you crit fail, you just found the worst titles of them all. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you take it up and he goes, oh, you have a very, very good taste, I see. I feel good about this. He looks very skeptical. <laughs> um, so these will be how much? Um, he reaches down to, you can see the pocket where he put the, the gold coin and goes, you 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 take them. Don't don't worry about it. Oh, thank you. Okay. Um, and then she's gonna put them in her bag and then waddle on out. Okay. Um, as she's passing by, Haley, are you still? How much? Do you want to try and reorganize the whole place or just a little bit? All of it. <laughs> okay. I'm trying uh, out. Based on her interaction again, I'll let you do the. Or do you care if he sees you? I'm not trying to hide. Okay, um, I'm going to roll another perception check with disadvantage because Alea went back to buy something else. Oh, a natural 20 and an 18. Oh. <laughs> As Alea turns, um, he looks looks at her, smiles, looks down at his book, and then does a double take. As he sees you behind him lifting a fairly big tome, like two feet tall, off of a shelf and kind of regarding it. And then... You raise your hand up and just pour a couple of other books on top and start rearranging them. And he goes, hey, 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 you, what are you doing? And he's pointing at you. What do you do? I assume he's pointing beyond me and continue. Stop, stop that. And you hear the chair, the wooden chair scrape across the floor and you hear the sound of a cane. Start hitting the floor and hurried footsteps as his feet drag. And he goes, stop that. It took me weeks to get this organized the way I wanted. And he's like maybe 10 feet from you now, hobbling his way over. What do you do? As soon as I hear organized, I look at him. What do you mean organized? This place was in disarray. (gasps) You have insulted me? He raises his cane. It's perfect now. I don't know what you're talking about. I show him that I can find anything he needs from what I've reorganized. What's your armor class? Oh, damn. Well. (laughs) (laughs) He hits... Perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't. You don't even take any damage from it. Um, but he just kind of whops you on the shoulder with a cane, and he goes, "Get, get out of my shop." This may be organized uh, for you, but I have no idea where anything is. You've just given me weeks of work. Get out. Hmm. I gotta read something real quick. I gotta check something. Oh no. Oh god. Oh no. <laughs> And the descent into madness begins. I shouldn't have given you all a bookshop. 
Tormented shopkeeper number two of the podcast. <laughs> Alright, alright, all right. so I do have to use it. Alright, cool. I will turn from him, but in turning, I will, with using a sorcery point, let me get a subtle spell. Ooh. Cast minor illusion, mm-hmm. so that there will be another copy behind him, uh, continuing what I'm doing. Um, okay, what's your spell save, DC? My spell save, DC... Yeah, like the number I have to beat. Yeah. Is twelve. I rolled a seven. You see him <laughs> as you turn away. He satisfied. Turn goes to turn around. You hear the cane, and then he stops. And you hear, and he looks over his shoulder back at you, and then looks back to the the illusion you've just created that is now rearranging more of his books. And you just hear the cane hitting wood and bookshelves. So he's going, stop that! No. And, and then I'll continue. Continue rearranging? <laughs> yep. Okay, give me a dexterity check to see how much of this you can rearrange while he's distracted. Ten. Ooh, um, you get about 80% of the way through the other shelf. Because you had started real close to the desk, which is why he saw you. But you got about 80% mm-hmm. of the way down the next shelf. And he turns very quickly and sees you again rearranging. And he goes... Mm-hmm. And he, like, reaches over and he picks up a book off the shelf and just tries to throw it at you. He definitely hits. Um, and you take a point of damage as a book just hits you in the side of the face. And he goes, get out before I call the guards. Does the book get damaged? No. Damn. All right. Haley will tuck his tail between his legs, look incredibly sad, and then walk away. What most people would um, consider a great accomplishment, rearranging this entire man's store, it's not enough for Hele. I expect we'll be back here again sometime soon. Oh, soon. <laughs> As Hele trots out of the shop, um, while Leia, you're waiting outside. Um, and Thurbash, what have you been yeah. doing while you've been sitting outside the shop? Thurbash took the first couple of minutes just sitting in silence. Uh, kind of occasional glances at the giant armadillo that's sitting next to him. He has no idea what that is. Um, It's just big and intimidating, so he's just going to keep quiet. And then after about a minute or two of silence, he'll just start silently praying. Mm -hmm. And just just like all sorts of, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't, I don't know. I know you have an idea of what I'm doing here, but I, I don't. And the thing next to me scares me. The place I'm at scares me. The people I'm with scare me. And I don't know what's going on. I was going to do something, but based on the way your character's reacting, I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> so I don't want to scare you away. Do whatever you want. Um, roll me a... What will we call this? Roll me this. Uh, roll me an Arcana check. You know what? I think with Thurbash, it makes more sense for it to be religion. Because he worships the, the, the creature that gives him his powers. That he does. Well, that's worse. <laughs> okay. uh, that is a 10. A 10. Okay. So while you're sitting here, you hear the hustle and bustle of the town. Footsteps on dirt and gravel and wagon wheels. And as wagons and people pass, you hear like the chuffing of horses. Or, and it just, it's overwhelming. It's so much... And then you become suddenly aware of the sound of the lake. You can hear the water 
gently lapping up against the shore. It's far away, but there's something soothing about it, something calming that just steals your nerves. I think Thurbash might interpret that as he will, but among the chaos of this little town, he feels the lake nature is still with him, even a little bit. Oh, no, that's that's like an encouragement. He immediately interprets that as not... He, he takes a small, small amount of symbolism and interprets it a hundredfold. Okay. So <laughs> that is like a giant pat on the back from his patron themselves. He'll never leave his town now. Like that's, that's like basically like a mother's coup. And he like, he like calms down almost immediately. I like this. This is potentially ammo for later. Um, so you're kind of enraptured by the sound of the lake. It calms you down. And then that calm is a little disrupted by the sound of your friend's footsteps coming out of the shop. And the four of you stand outside of Milo's menagerie. Or three standing, two totally unconscious. What do you guys do? <laughs> that was a tongue twister. <laughs> I'm going to pat the armadillo's head and say, I'll get you some food soon. I promise. You hear Igni chime in the back of your head. That, that, that creature does not need to eat. Are you hungry, Igni? Completely blowing over what he just said. <laughs> you are missing my point. Is that a no? I do not need to eat. It does not need to eat. <laughs> Think of us like cousins, kind of. Hmm. I'll find something for you guys. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Onward. <laughs> I'm broken. <laughs> Hey there, listeners. I hope you've been enjoying the show so far. You may have noticed that Tedward is missing for this episode as well as the last one. For 11 and 12, we recorded them in the same batch, which his player couldn't attend due to some work complications. Don't worry, though. Tedward will be back in episode 13, and his book is going to be telling us everything that happened while he was out. So back to the good stuff, the usual. You can find us in a bunch of fun places, which we've laid out for you on our website at www.toapodcast.com. There you can find all the cool stuff we're working on in all of our community pages and where to watch the show. We're also on Twitter now, so give us a follow at Tales of Asperon. That's Tales of A-S-P-E-R-R-A-N. Finally, our thanks and shoutouts. Again, we're always leveraging the ambient sounds of Sword Coast Soundscapes, and the fantastic compositions by Kevin McLeod. You'll find them both on Bandcamp, as well as a link in our episode description. We release episodes every other Friday, so I'll be seeing you again on September 6th. All right, let's get back to the show. (laughs) (laughs) And now the four of you stand. It is roughly 10, 11 p.m. um, at the town of Whispering Lake. Things are starting to quiet down a little. There are still people passing, but it's not nearly as active as it was when you first arrived. With this in mind, the four of you, or three of you and one unconscious, stand outside of the shop called Milo's Menagerie. Books in hand, armadillo carrying your unconscious companion. What would you like to do? Haley kind of sulks for a second, glances over at Alea and sees the books. What'd you get? Uh, just a little gift for Tedward when, um, when he wakes up. I feel like he's sad that he missed the adventure. Um, yeah, sure. And then I'll, like, 
display all of them so you can pick one? Obviously, it's Duke. <laughs> Duke. 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 Good choice. Good choice. They all seem like prof- the font is super large format, and it's very. It has that like very trendy look to it, where there's another font behind it that's kind of displaced with lines through it, almost <laughs> like it's block text. It's bad. It's like really cheesy, but it's probably perfect. <laughs> it's so good. Um, um, go ahead. I was just gonna say enjoy. Thank you. And then I'm gonna lean over to him to like be whispering, even though Tedward definitely can't hear me. It's gonna maybe be just a tad. Um, how how did the bookstore owner put it? A shit book. (laughs) (laughs) But I hope you enjoy, and I'm going to pat his shoulder. She's kind of most confused. goes, what does shit mean? (laughs) You'll find out. Don't worry. All right. Okay, so based off of um, Thurbash's survival check that he did earlier, Mm -hmm. um... He's clearly pointed out the mayor's estate. You can see it at the very back of the town, towards the wood. What do you guys do? I guess walk up to it. Let's, Are there let's any guards? Head there. I want to get out of here. Okay. Um, you guys, now knowing where the manor is, make your way over. You wind through a handful of side streets. So when I said earlier the streets of this town are scalloped, they're on a curve. Imagine one main road that follows the curve of the bank of the lake. And then the mm. next main road matches it perfectly, almost like a seashell, as it fans out in the direction of the wood. And you kind of jump onto one of these little side interchanges in, in a narrow alley between two buildings and make your way towards the mayor's manor. Um, you reach the final thoroughfare of Whispering Lake. And between you and the mayor's manor is, one, a wide, wide street. 30 feet across, easy, cobbled. It's very nice, much nicer than everything else you've seen in town so far. Ahead of you is a tall black wrought iron fence with a pair of double gates and two what seem to be magically lit crystals floating right above the gates, illuminating the street. And standing at this this gate, you see two guards. They're wearing um, black leather armor with white painted studs along them. They, to be odd, it feels like you're looking at like an Oreo cookie. There's like a white stripe down the middle of their clothing. Um, And off in the distance behind them, you can see a large black stone keep. At each of its parapets, you can see there are flags rolling in the wind that are just stark white. And standing at these gates are these two guards. And as you guys step out of the alleyway, maybe... 40, 50 feet away. It doesn't even seem like they take notice to you. They're kind of lazily sitting there. Um, well, let's go ahead. Um, yeah. So, Alea's gonna walk over. <laughs> Hello, sirs. Oh, okay, wait. Is it, because there are two different types of things you could do in my, in my island. You could either make an appointment or there are office hours. What do you think this is here? What? You need an appointment? What is office hours? <laughs> What are appointments? Let us just go speak to this man in charge and get this over with. If you say so. I'm going to start walking up, expecting them to follow me. I will follow with the armadillo. Okay. And they will stick with the armadillo. Um, you guys kind of make your way up to the gate. And you see, of these two guards, there's one who's standing there kind of lazily. He's, like, using his spear to, like, 
scrape some dirt off of one of his worn black leather boots. And the guard next to him, he has um, an open-faced helmet and a shield strapped to his back. And he's kind of standing there at attention with a spear. And he sees both of you and you watch his back straighten and his shoulders square off a little. And he he like elbows his companion standing next to him. And the guy immediately stops scraping with his foot, sloppily stands up straight and puts his spear at attention. It's still at like an angle. And the guard goes, hello, um, who, who are hello? you? Can I help you? Um, Alea, you do the talking. Hello, good sirs. We are here to collect a bounty. We have, uh, uh, um, and then I'm going to go rifle through uh, Tedward's pockets as he's laying unconscious on an armadillo <laughs> uh, for the bounty. <laughs> um, you, hear, you hear a faint chuckle and then the sound of a grunt. And you guys notice the much more professional of the two guards has just elbowed his companion while he's chuckling at you. Is it a bad chuckle or a good chuckle? <laughs> well, I mean, insight check. <laughs> was it like a, ah, oh, she's so silly, or was it like a, damn, this fucking fool? I failed! <laughs> oh, no, I did it. 19. 19. Um, it was definitely a, uh, damn, this fool. <laughs> damn. <laughs> okay. Um, well, she's going to get the bounty out anyway. Some rude truckers. It's okay. Um, so she's going to present... The, the bounty to the, the people. So well, we just need to go see the mayor um, to give him this. And then she'll point at a uh, other unconscious fellow on the armadillo. Um, okay, so the, the guard, the serious guard, takes the paper and unfurls it. And then looks past the paper at both of you in kind of con- in confusion, like looks at the three of you and looks at the paper again. And you hear him whisper something to his companion. And the guy goes, you hear a gasp as the guard is looking towards the armadillo and they can see placed not so gently atop Tedward's unconscious form is the form of Irnan Thistledown unconscious. And he mutters something to the guy and the guy lifts up his spear and immediately jogs into the manor real fast. And the guard goes, so what, how did you happen upon this man? Well, you see... There was a woods, then there was a tree and a dragon, and we fell into the trunk of the tree, and he was laying there on some bones, and then we picked him up after defeating the dragon, and then some lady with a hammer came and smashed him, and then we went through some spiritual kind of tree doorway thing, and then we ran into some balls of light, and then we came into your town, then we got into a All right, all right, all right, that's that's too far. She's right, though. And then we're here. (laughs) That's what happened. I'm I'm going to take a look at him. Just to just to confirm, if that's all right, okay. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you see him lean over, and he starts looking at the man. And he goes, "He his skin is supposed to be blue, from what I've heard." Um, I'm. Why is it my, all gray like? If my deduction skills are correct, it's because a tree was sucking the life out of him. He's sick. For that, this is all news to me. When he's... when you say he's sick, the guard looks up at you and goes, "Yeah, in the head." Guys, a guys, a maniac. Um, and he he looks down and he he runs his finger through Irnan's hair, and the hair lifts up on its own and starts to brute, like move in the wind. And his back immediately stiffens, and you see his fist clench on his spear. The three, the three or four of you knocked him out. Who's the big fellow? Is he his friend? Uh, no. no, he's with us. He he is he is 
taking a nap. All right. Not too excited. Um, you, you all stay here. Don't move. He, he um, reaches onto his side and you see a small horn, like a, a curled ram's horn. And he puts it up to his mouth and, and you hear it echo throughout the town. And then from the manor, five more armed guards. These guys are in plate mail, black plate mail. They make their way down. And in between them is a younger individual. Um, his skin is blue. And you can see his long hair is kind of blowing in the breeze behind him, like anime style. <laughs> that's the only way to describe it, because that's how Air Genasi's hair work. They just move on their own breeze. Um, and he's wearing these really finely tailored a white shirt with these black like onyx cufflinks as the gates open and this group of people step out towards you. The well-dressed individual, he goes, so the four of... Hmm, and he looks over at the armadillo and he looks at the guard and he goes, is that him? Yeah. And the guard goes, yeah, that's, um, it, it looks like him. The well-dressed individual looks to all of you and he goes, who, who is in charge of your lot? She is. What? <laughs> no, 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 we agreed on this. Remember, we had the vote back when Tedward was still awake. We all, we all talked about it and we were like, you're the leader. She clearly doesn't remember, but she's just saying yes. She's the leader. Okay. Wait, what is her? And he he bows his head to you in like a very kind of regal display. And he goes, my name is Orion Thistledown. And I would like to thank you on behalf of the mayor and his family for bringing our brother in to serve for his crimes. I'm going to mumble to myself, Igni, justice. Not enough for me. It's a type of justice. I would like to see him burn. Maybe one day. <laughs> to serve as the cinders for a better world. Oh my. Hmm. <laughs> She's just going to smile and continue like nodding at the um, other people. As he, as he says that last part, the tattoo on your hand burns a little warm. It doesn't hurt, but you, you're aware of it. And Orion goes, all right, quickly, um, names, each of you. Uh, Alea Zilseri, nice to meet you. Hi. I am Thurbash. Hello. And you? Uh, I am Hele. Nice to meet you all. Um, as I've heard, is the large fellow with my shitbag no, brother, boss. or he's with you? Okay. Yep. Does is he in need of medical attention? Probably. No, he is Maybe. just sleeping. <laughs> Maybe not. I'm not sure. <laughs> Do I... I look like a medic? I don't know. Medical attention <laughs> might be necessary. None of us are doctors. It would, be, it would be safe. It would be safe. Safe, sorry. All right, we can, I can arrange for that. Um, let me just look him over, and he walks over and grabs Irnan by the chin and just lifts up his face. Oh, that's him, all right. Good. Um, the four of you take him. Um, you three and your pet come with me. Um, I will arrange for your reward swiftly. We have a ward, guys. Oh, What's the reward? I don't know. Wait. <laughs> You are not aware of the bounty on this man's head? No, I did. I presented the letter. Okay. Um, he eyes you all a little suspiciously and motions to the guards and they pick up Irnin and the four of them start to kind of carry him up to the house. Orion's standing there with you with two of his guards in plate mail and follow me into the antechamber of the home and my attendants will fetch your reward. Are you with the guild or... Independent contractors? 
independent. Huh. He looks. Right? He sees the tattoo on your hand. Huh. All right, follow me. Is a tattoo for the McGill's? Oh. What do you guys do? Um. Follow him. I guess we can borrow uh, Rose's armadillo for a little longer, <laughs> so we'll follow him. Um. He leads you up the long, very well manicured lawn. Um. The stones in this walkway are like a white kind of dusty rock. You're not exactly sure what it is, but it stands out in stark contrast to this lawn. Um, it seems this whole keep is a stark painting of black and white um, as you make your way up to the buildings and a pair of large iron doors are parted black metal as Orion leads you inside and he says to his two attendants, you go fetch the reward, you wait here with them. I am going to go tell my father of the good news. And Orion starts to make his way up the staircase, and you guys are left in the entry hall of the mayor's manor with this soldier in black armor. Before you, you see a ridiculously expensive but beautiful white marble floor that spreads out 60 feet on each side from the door, and large, large, delicately carved pillars go all the way up 30 feet to support the ceiling high above your heads. And you see Orion walking up this sandy-colored wood. You're not even sure where it came from. It's not local. But it makes up this delicately carved staircase that winds its way up to the top floor. As you see Orion walk down the hall and vanish into a doorway. What do the four of you do? Thurvesh, is the floor polished? Is it polished marble? Yeah. Thurvesh immediately gets down on his hands and knees and just stares at the floor. He's never seen marble before, <laughs> let alone a polished marble floor before. So this is... You can see your face clearly in it. He's just going to keep, like, kind of, like, he'll move to different spots on the floor and take another look, and then move to another spot and take another look. Um, I guess Alea is just going to be looking for fruit. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so. so in this room, I'm, just, I'm not even going to make you roll. It's very <sighs> clear there is no fruit in your vicinity. <laughs> Um, there is She's gonna be man, looking, okay? There is a man in metal plate, black metal plate armor standing right next to you with a pretty large broadsword affixed to his back. Or their back. You're unaware of their gender at this moment. Uh, excuse me? Um, do you know if I could get an apple or something? Or a location where I could get some fruit? You see the, sho- the soldiers shift. You hear the, the metal of their armor kind of scrape as they shift uncomfortably, and from inside the helmet, you hear an echoey voice go, I, I could probably, I could probably go ask for something. Call for one of that, the chefs. That would be so fantastic. And could you maybe, a little bit, just, mm, Igni, what do you want? Like a fish? What do cats eat? I, <laughs> and in your mind's eye, you can see his little paws gesturing. I do not eat we'll probably just stick with the apple for now but thank you (sighs) (laughs) this is what he gets okay he wanted to make a deal this is what he's asked to suffer with (laughs) what did i sign up for um and you see the the soldier reach into a small pouch on their side and they pull out a stone with a carving of a face on it and you hear a muffled voice speak into the rock and a few minutes pass as what looks to be a servant. Thanks, Trouble. He's the servant. He's the servant. <laughs> the, the, you see a servant come out from one of the side doors carrying a tray of what looked to be fresh fruit. 
and they walk over and the person goes, Commander, you, you, you requested? And they put the plate forward and the soldier gestures to it. <gasps> Yay, thank you. I'm going to grab a couple of pieces. I'm going to yep. hand it out to the party and then I'm also going to offer it to the armadillo. The armadillo. What, did, what fruit did you give him? <laughs> uh, an apple. The armadillo sniffs it, gives it like a nibble, and then just chomps the whole thing in one go. Success! You can't tell if it's satisfied by this or not. Uh, Alea is happy regardless. So while this is happening, Hale, I guess maybe it's in response to the perfect order and delicacy of this place. Um, but your fur starts to pop up with little calyx. Mm-hmm. Um, like the floor is so perfectly clean, you can see your reflection in it, and it's maybe unnerving to you. Haley's been looking for something to organize, and with a nervous tick, his claw, his claws, and his foot paws are just scratching at the floor. <laughs> yes. Give me a quick strength check just to see if you can dig into the marble or how much. Uh, that would be a seven. Um, you're starting. You're starting to to scratch into the finish because like stone like that if you run something sharp along it it's not hard to make a scratch um but you're kind of marring up the finish of it every time your your nail scrapes against it it like mm-hmm. removes some sheen from it and makes it harder to see it's a little satisfying is there anything that seems disorderly to LA like a bookshelf or a table setting um the the room is large and mostly empty. Along each side of the wall, there are these large black banners that are draped down the wall, um, just with iconography and art scrawled across them. Um, but they're How all perfectly straight. The room goes up about 30 feet or so, straight up to the ceiling. Haley's going to use Mage Hand to try to grab one of the tapestries and, re- and shift it to one side. Okay, um, are you trying to do this sneaky or no? Uh, I would say no. <laughs> okay, so you raise your hand up and you create the mage hand just far enough distance away and get a good grip on the curtain. As you do this, you you notice though, or roll perception check. All right. Uh, that'd be a five. Okay, you don't notice, but everyone else notices <laughs> that presumably the commander of the guard reaches out and grabs Hele's wrist. Hele, in the distance, you can see the hand is clenching the fabric. You all see this going down, by the way. What do you do? While having my wrist just turn the tapestry around, I look at my hand and kind of wiggle it out. Roll me a strength check. Uh, ten. Um, you try, and this guard has a strong grip on your hand, or the commander says, no, no magic in here, please. Have I flipped the tapestry? Um, I'm going to say yes, because you were able to spin your hand around, I think. All right. You weren't able to break free, but you were definitely able to move your hand a little, and then you noticed that the tapestry, because you grabbed it at the top, has spun ever so slightly out of place. Having brought a little order to the room, Haley can calm down and just relax and release <laughs> the magic. Your cowlick stopped popping up. Um, so while this is going down, um, after a few minutes pass, um, the one guard comes walking out of a side, a pair of double doors onto your right. And they have a sack with that as they walk, you can hear it clanging with coin. As this person walks over to you, um, they have a scroll that they start to unfurl. And at the same time, Orion comes walking back down from the upper floor. And he says, ah, 
perfect timing. So father is aware that we have my brother presumed alive, which is much uh, more than anticipated. Your reward, um, he looks to the, the second guard, and the guard nods and he goes, is 2,500 gold pieces, which is double the offer price since you brought him back to our doorstep and we did not have to come to him and he's alive. Um, so I need you to sign the um, form of receipt and we can get on with our lives. Yes? Uh, do I remember if that's the number like doubled on that was on the paper? Roll me a history check. 14. 14. Um, to your best memory, it was somewhere between like the 750 to 1000 range. Maybe. Okay. Um, Not that Alea cares. <laughs> yeah. Well, what they're offering seems oddly mo- a little more than was written on the contract. Or not the contract, the bounty notice, from what you remember. Um, as long as he's going to be face some justice, we good. That he will. Um, and this person motions to the other guard who's holding a sheet of, uh, holding a scroll that has clearly written terms of exchange on it and they hand you a feather pen and the scroll uh i sign it or i look at everyone first i'm like is it okay i do not know i would assume so yes all right i sign it okay um you sign your name on the sheet and the other guard rolls up a sheet of paper puts it into um an envelope and slips that envelope into their armor, and Orion goes, If we have any other work for such promising individuals again, will you be in town long? I've been told you do not work for the guilds. Uh, I feel like we'll be here until our friend wakes up, and we gotta meet someone at the the, the iron um, teapot or something. Copper kettle, yes. That mm. is a relatively well-known meeting place of the guild, which you are not part of? No. We gotta return the armadillo. Oh, that's hers. <laughs> okay, I thought so. Okay. Um, thank you very much for your service. The mayor of Whispering Lake, Samuel Thistledown, is ecstatic at the service you have provided. Now, if you would kindly emotions towards the door. It is rather late. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll we'll probably see you around. What was was your name? Orion Thistledown. Orion, nice meeting you. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for the fruit. I'm going to motion over to the the guard. Um, The guard gives you, you see the helmet ever so slightly nod. It's a real good guy or girl or person. Night. Okay, bye. (laughs) She's going to slowly wander out. Okay, do you guys follow? Thurabash follows, still kind of looking at the floor. Confused is the correct word for the entire engagement. He has no clue. I wave at the guard, bow, and then continue to follow. Um, okay, so you guys make your way out. The armadillo is following behind you. You hear its little nails pitter-patter on the clean stone marble. Haley, maybe it brings a little joy to you knowing that he's scuffing up the floor. And you guys make your way out. I'm not going to make you roll survival check because with enough time, you could find the copper kettle pretty easily. It'll just take you a little while. Um, so the night progresses. I've had an hour, maybe two has passed since you left the presence of Rose. And after some time, you find your way back to the copper kettle. 
and you open up the door to a tavern. So the, the entryway of this tavern is simple, wooden, and clean. Above the door is quite literally a copper kettle that has been kind of nailed by the handle into the thing and stamped into the pot. It just says the kettle. From inside, you can smell fresh cooked food and the scent of warm, comforting ale wafting in as the door opens and a patron walks past you and just kind of shoulders their way into the street, stumbling. Um, and inside, you can hear a large menagerie of people, com- conversations, things of that nature. What do you guys do? Um, look for Rose. Um, she's not outside. I can give you that much. Okay. Then I guess... I call out for her. Rose, owner of the armadillo. Um, the door opens and you see Rose's face with her long black curls peek out and she goes, Oh, there you are. I was wondering why you were taking so long to get here. Come on in. We, We got a little detour. I've heard a little. And she looks through the armadillo. Um, Alea, can you roll me a perception check? Oh my god. (laughs) I don't like doing these. Thirteen? Thirteen. With that, as you see her hand curled around the frame of the door, you see embrazened on the back of her palm what looks to be a tattoo of a boulder with a pair of crossed hammers. (gasps) We match! And she motions you inside. I assume you follow? Yes. Okay. Um, The four of you make your way into this tavern. As you step inside, it's a little, Thurabash, I think it's going to be a little overwhelming for you. Just because there's a lot of people cramped into this small place. More people than live in your village, easily. Um, And the room is thick. You see plumes of smoke roll by that's, to Thurabash's sense, smell awful. But some of you recognize as smoke from cigars or cigarettes or things of that nature. A little off-center, there's a bar with a nice curved copper bar top around it. Um, And there are stools kind of arranged around it and people there having drinks. You can see casks of ale that are hanging from the ceiling that are tapped as the bartender reaches up and pours ale. This bartender is furiously making drinks for all the patrons to the other side of the tavern. You hear a large laugh echo through the room as you see a man stand up and throw his cards on the floor and two men in the corner begin to brawl over some kind of game. And Rose motions you back to a booth in the back of the the copper kettle that she has kind of squared off for you guys. Um, And she takes a seat um, at the booth and kind of slides into the middle. And Rose sits back. She lounges. She actually, you see her take her hammer off her hip and put it on the table. And she goes, well, have a seat. You enjoy your little sightseeing tour? Um, yeah, it was pretty. We, we got a little lost, but then we found our way and, you know. We, we saw sights. I got a tour. bookshop keeper. Ah, you, you, you met that old fellow, huh? That one is a riot, if I do say so myself. Just doing him a favor. He's fun to play little tricks on. She reaches forward and takes a healthy sip from a drink. It's dark. You don't know exactly what it is. Um, she reaches in and pulls out a bag of gold. Um, and she says, so, as promised, and just puts it on the table. So, they wouldn't give me gold pieces for this. 
they decided to give me platinum, I asked, but um, apparently the love or something. So, 60-30. 150 platinum pieces here, each worth 10 gold apiece for your services. And she starts to separate out the coins, and she slides forward 50 platinum on the table, and she goes, give you a little more for, you know, doing most of the work, and... I would like to. I would like to. Oh, no. It's like Over a southern bell. Yeah, it's like a southern bell. All of you fine folks, I would like to offer you something nice. If you're up for it. Depends. What is it? Four of you young, young children out there managed to slay that dragon on your own in the woods. That's promising. Our guild is constantly looking for people who can. Make themselves useful in the way that you did today. Not many people can say that they they, they slayed a dragon with a kitchen knife. And I would like you to join our cause. Hmm. Tedward was the slayer of the dragon. We helped. He is the one who should join. <laughs> but he is unconscious, so I'll join. that is difficult. I'll join. All right. Well, we have one magically gifted individual over there. One big, big unconscious burly fellow. Was it Was it his work with the knife? Yes. Wonderful. And you, Miss Alaya, was it? Uh, yes. Hi. May I ask where you came in possession of that, uh, that there tattoo on, on the very back of your hand? Um, I was actually earlier in our adventures. Hey guys, um, we came across a little... A little cat who uh, wanted some justice to be uh, sought at, and we made sure that that happened. Well, it seems you've stumbled into something a little bigger than you thought it was. Usually, a... when we admit people, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say I feel like that's a common occurrence in the last few few days or weeks or how long have we been doing this? And she's gonna look around at the other two. Couple of days, I believe. Since we last met. Rosa's eyes get big. And you impress me even further. Well, it's usually standard practice when we invite people into our ranks as individual hunters like myself. You do a few contracts, fight a few monsters, help some people out, get paid nice for it. And then the guild offers you contract into service of a creature sorts and you see her eye look towards the armadillo she goes you form form a pact with a creature so that the both of you can bring better to the realms and it seems you're already there hmm all right well i i guess we'll have to we'll have to discuss once tedward wakes up okay well i'm gonna be here in town for another two or three days and join myself with all the money that you helped uh earn in my name Fair. you can find Fair. me at the the inn just a few buildings down it's the one that's colored bright pink among all the black ones if you decide to join our ranks can i ask you something yes of course what are you going to do with the last percent are you going to donate to donate to the guy that helps you most uh that that usually goes to the guild as a brokerage fee they find the work and they give us jobs so they got to keep the keep the workers fed sure. If you'd like to call it that. So do you not have a god? Oh, I don't worship any being. Mm. Oh. In particular. 
Do you? I come from people who believe in most and many of the gods. Okay. Well, I can I can respect that. See, I don't worship because most gods, most religions, they have some kind of motive, something that drives them, something that, you know, bring more people in or, you know, all that. I just want to help people and make some good money doing it. Sometimes it is necessary to bring people in. What do you mean? I mean, <laughs> if you do not bring people in, there is no guarantee that it will continue, no? That is kind of a good point. That is a point. I mean, I'm, I'd be one to preach. I'm here recruiting, trying to recruit a lot of you, so I can see a lot of logic in that. Well, look, I have some things to attend to, other meetings and appointments. Um, and she takes out a card, um, carved in wood, and it has her name on it, Rose Lieblin, written in like a really fancy script. Um, and she says, present this to the tavern keeper, or the innkeeper down the road, and they'll be able to let you, uh, find me, if the lot of you change your mind. And you, Haley, um, I'll probably talk to you sometime in the next day or so. How's that saying? Hmm, feels good. And she stands up and looks to her armadillo. Goes, oh yeah. Look, I've uh, I've ordered him to kind of follow you around until you can find a place for your friend to sleep, um, and rest off his ailment. So once you can find that, the the armadillo will find his way back to me. He always does. And by the way, and she leans in really close and she goes, I heard what you did over at the the mayor's. Please. We we did nothing. We simply talked. Was it a secret? You brought you brought in Mr. That was Mr. Thistle now. We did what we came here to do. <laughs> we did what we came to do. <laughs> I might keep that. Look, I respect anyone who's willing to do work, but I might keep that a little on the down low if you understand what I mean. I don't. It's not every day a group of strangers just walks into town and hands in the leader of their rebellion. Oh, snap. <laughs> against his rich, pompous brother. That might not rub some people the right way. Enjoy. She stands up, finishes her drink, clinks it on the table, and walks out of the tavern. As Rose Lieblin walks away from the copper kettle, her leather boots leave soft prints in the dirt road of this ostentatious town. She reaches down into the pocket of her duster and pulls out another cigar, then lights it. Her face is illuminated by the soft orange glow of its embers while she walks, and for once, she is smiling. After some time, she finds herself at the docks of the city. Bobbing gently in the water, a small fishing boat sits moored upon a lonely dock at the end of the row, just a few yards away from her. Constance, the boat's owner, is nowhere to be seen. Normally, Rose would visit him after a hunt to swap stories and catch up as old friends do. She had hoped to chat with him about her young potential warns and her fears of taking on another group of hunters so soon after the departure of her last group. She approaches the boat confidently, but finds only an empty stool and a bottle of whiskey sitting at the edge of the dock. The same bottle she left with him on her last visit. With a quick look in the waters below, we see Constance's stupid yellow hat as it bobs lazily on the water surface. 
Constance, you're making me a little worried. What are you up to, friend? She says, as she frantically looks from the water and back to her friend's boat. Silence. Her hurried footfalls echo across this empty portion of the docks as Rose rushes away from the boat. In her shaking hand, she lights another cigar. She has already lost so much to the lake. Her wards, most of her life, and now her friend. Rose is done losing to the evils of this place. It's time to fight back. Hey everybody, thanks for sticking around to the end and I really hope you enjoyed the story so far. I'm really excited to see if Haley ever returns to that bookshop to torment that little old gnome. Poor fella. Anyway, the songs we used this time were Nervous and Shores of Avalon by Kevin MacLeod. As always, spread the word, share the show, and have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you on September 6th when our next episode launches. Stay safe and see you soon. 